Hi folks, welcome to Off The Record, the podcast which delves deeper into the mysteries and wonders of society life here at the University of Sheffield. With over 150 clubs to choose from, the world's your oyster and the possibilities endless. Today on the show we have President Mia Berelson and Social Sec Esther Konzen from the Jewish Society, representing the Jewish faith across the campus. Guys, welcome. Hi. So what is the Jewish Society? I guess the name is on the tin, but what kind of stuff do you do then? Uh, yes, we're a society for Jewish students, but also students who would like want to learn a bit more about Judaism, I guess. We run a few events to try and do about one a week, normally a Friday night dinner. A lot of them revolve around food. It's not a bad, <laughs> a, a bad policy. That what, what kind of food are you talking about then? Um, so for like Friday night dinners, we'll do like chicken soup um, and this Jewish bread called holla, which is like the plaited bread that you get. Um, is that quite yeah. difficult to cook or? Well, if you're a skilled <laughs> Jewish housewife, <laughs> then no. But if you're me and Esther, then, then we yes. struggled. We did a holla bake two days ago and um, it didn't. in the bin. Yeah, it didn't go too well. But hopefully with practice, we will improve. So what kind of stuff do you sort of cook then you, you mentioned that but how, how difficult must that be to to overcome sort of the, the travesty of it ended up in the bin <laughs> almost there i mean the hollow we get at home is delicious so it's quite disappointing when you get a mediocre loaf it's the best thing about going home is bringing back the hollow yeah so what's the event for them so what what do you cook hollow for is there a, a, a tradition behind that or is it just a, a casual thing that y- you do yes yeah, so on shabbat which is like the Sabbath on sa- Friday night to Saturday night, you like will do Kiddush, where you drink wine and have the holler with bread. So it's part of that. So the society uh, here, here now, but how has it grown throughout the years? When did it start up? How long have you been a part of it? And what were your feelings first when you actually signed up for it? Um, I don't actually know how old it is. I think it's like probably about... Nine or ten years, I'm gonna Ooh, guess. No, no less. Lily's m- mum went when she was at uni. Oh, here. I've met quite. I've met someone else's dad. He was like, yeah. Oh, so it's been existed. here for quite a while. Yeah, it used to be on near a collegiate campus, and then it moved. Oh, interesting. Well, I've been involved since like my second year, but I like joined committee last year when I was in third year. Yeah, as soon as I got to Sheffield, I, <laughs> I went to the first event and they were like, oh, by the way, we need a treasurer. So that was sort of that, really. Yeah, it's never we've never really got a big enough committee and there's always kind of a position that needs filling, so get dragged in quite quickly. So what inspired you to join it in the first place? So wh- where does this uh, Jewish background come from and h- how did you feel as a kid growing up into this, into this background and, and learning the faith itself from that? Um... Well, I feel like growing up in like a Jewish circle, you kind of do hear like JSOC is quite a big part of like your uni life. Like you hear about all the, like your friends going to what we like to call booze for Jews. So I don't know. I think I like kind of came to uni thinking that JSOC was going to be like a big part of my life. Yeah. And like also when you choose a uni, a JSOC can have a big impact because we've got the Junies, which are like Birmingham and Leeds and stuff where there are just a lot of Jews um, and a lot of people will like choose their uni because of that because they want that sense of community and I feel like a lot of people choose Sheffield because they're like I'll have a bit of a break from all the Jews <laughs> but like when I arrived I was like no I need need to find them yeah Junies that is quite a 
<laughs> quite a name that. So what do you make of the Jewish faith in Sheffield? Because, uh, I mean, incredibly, me and me and you went to the, the same school in Essex, Davenant Foundation School. Shout out to them. Um, <laughs> how, how have you found uh, sort of the difference from sort of Jewish faith down in, in Essex to, to up here in Sheffield? Uh, in Essex, there's definitely more... Like, the synagogues, there's, like, more than one synagogue there is in Sheffield. I think there's only, like, one Orthodox and one Reformed community. But at the same time, because I did go to a Christian school at uni, I feel like I know so many more Jews that are actually my own age. So that's definitely nice. So, I mean, a few weeks ago, we had uh, Holocaust Memorial Day, obviously, uh, uh, which began in 2001. In 2005, the UN voted by 149 votes out of 191 to formally commemorate the Holocaust. You, a few weeks ago, had a uh, somebody come in to speak from the University at the Arts Tower uh, about the Holocaust. How was that for you? Um, a very inspirational event, I think. She was like... It was really interesting, because I feel like it's the first Holocaust survivor that I've heard that was, like, really, really adamant about talking about, like, other genocides. And she was really good in, like, talking about, like, the Armenian genocide and, like, talking about the... Romani people who were involved in the Holocaust as well. So it was a really interesting event. So when you hear stories of of kids being incinerated and, and gassed essentially in these camps, I think there was a case in, in 1942 where the Nazis took 4,100 Jewish children out of France, left them crying at train stations in Paris, Lyon, Marseille and so on, took all of them to Auschwitz and none of them survived. When you hear stories like that and stories from from the talk you had, how does that make you feel from somebody who's essentially representing the Jewish faith? Um. It is quite <laughs> a tough issue, I, I, I can gather, and I think a lot of people do think when they sort of see this is that because of what's happened is that trying to familiarise sort of that event is always quite difficult for a lot of people because a lot of the time they do have personalised stories behind it and I don't know whether you found sort of any of that and sort of what your reactions to that are. It's definitely hard to visualise like a number that large and that's why sometimes it's quite interesting to just speak to one person to really understand their story and their experience because I feel like when you just say numbers it like sort of loses meaning and you forget that it's not like that child has parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and it's like such a wider circle than what you might at first think so what about the importance of looking at other genocides then uh, sort of the armenian genocide was mentioned i guess the rwandan genocide is sort of sort of in the mid 90s was another case how important is it to look at them as well as that just as a sort of a learning process in that sense well, I think, like, kind of the idea, like, we all think that the Holocaust happened and then we all said never again and it didn't happen, like, nothing would happen again after that. But I think it's just kind of very evident with, like, the Rwandan genocide that saying never again isn't enough. So I think talking about other genocides is incredibly important. And, like, Holocaust Memorial Day has had a lot of criticism for only focusing on the Holocaust. And I think, like, it is important to meet that criticism and talk about other genocides. <coughs> How do you find a lot of the people listening to that talk felt uh, at, at the time? Was it mainly people from 
the Jewish Society or were there other people from the university who, who went to that? I think we had quite a good mix in the end. We invited a lot of other societies, including BME and the LGBT+. And I think, like, personally, like, growing up Jewish, you've definitely, ha- like, heard other survivors' stories. So I think for us, it was, like, interesting, but not eye-opening in the same way that it would have been for people who have, like, never spoken to a survivor before. So what do you think the importance of films such as The Band of Brothers, The Boy in the Striped Pyjamas are? Uh, I remember me, you mentioned that The Boy in the Striped Pyjamas at the time, you, you weren't 100% sure about the film. Why was that? I can't remember exactly why, but I think it's sort of the idea that it like glamorizes the situation in some ways, or like I haven't seen the film in a really long time, um, and like I, I understand making films that people want to watch, but I think you need to be careful to not like glamorize the situation. I think my issue with the boy in the striped pajamas is like it kind of makes you sympathize with like the Nazi family, and I think like by doing that you kind of, you forget that like you've got Jewish people who you like need to sympathize with and that's my issue with it but I do think it's a good way of like introducing the holocaust to children so I mean well I, I guess with that and with the band of brothers as well where essentially at, at the end of the film all all of the american soldiers went into uh, Birkenau the camp there uh, they went across the camp sort of shine their torches into into the huts essentially that uh, people were not even living just just trying to survive in and you could see them lined up across each other in terms of sort of the the impact of sort of that that visual identification of people uh, like that because a lot of the pictures then were in black and white uh that it was it's quite difficult to dis- to distinguish what sort of happened sort of from a from 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 this visual point of view how does that make you feel in terms of sort of the education then sort of seeing it reinvented almost, but still looking at the core principles of the fact that these people were in such a terrible state. I think images are really important in like getting across that message of like how terrible it was. So I think like films in that way are really useful at educating people. It was the thing that there are so many um, Holocaust deniers at the moment that like having photo like photographic evidence is really important. What do you make of the deniers then? I just don't what? know where they're getting their evidence no, from. It's just quite offensive, isn't it? Do you, th- do you feel quite angry to an extent that sort of they're, they're spouting out this message? Or... I don't you know if you can say anger because I feel like you're clearly, you've been taught things like if you believe that it's because you've read things online or whatever, you're clearly just need to do more research or. I don't think you can be angry at someone for being naive. But at the same time, what they're spreading is quite damaging. But also, I don't think it's, like, naivety that they're yeah. being Holocaust deniers. I think they're doing it literally, like, out of hatred. But I think, like, at the moment, it's they're a minority. So, like, my feelings towards them are kind of like, you're just a bit stupid, aren't you? But I think if it got any further, then I would start getting angry. So are there any other ways of education to actually promote this issue of of remembering uh people who survived the holocaust and actually making sure that something like this never happens again because uh we we look at instances uh for example it's sort of areas in africa at the minute where in the in the congo something similar to this has happened in the past sort of few years in north korea there's the possibility of prison camps there where people are being kept 
uh, against their own will and having to uh, force labour in camps similar to the types that there were in the Second World War. Are there any ways to promote this education, not just on a local scale here in Sheffield, not just on a national scale for the UK, but on an international scale as well, do you think? Um, Obviously, the easiest way to spread something maybe internationally is through, like, books such as Anne Frank's Diary and, like, films like that. They obviously spread spread a lot further. But then if you want something... I think that if you had, like, a survivor speak to you, then obviously that's a much more memorable experience. So I think you need to do a combination of these, like, educational experiences to get people to learn. Do you think there's some sort of danger when most of the survivors do pass away that we would forget some of the teachings that they provided about the Holocaust? I think that's, like, that was a big theme this Holocaust Memorial Day because we had the... So the Union of Jewish Students started up this campaign called um, Our Living Memory, and it's all about, like, getting to hear the survivors' stories before they unfortunately pass away. But, yeah, I think, like, hearing a survivor talk, like, and meeting them makes it so much more real. So I think there is definitely a danger once they pass that sort of Holocaust now is going to go on the up. I mean, 2018, uh, the theme for this is the power of words. Uh, so is it important to influence politicians, essentially, sort of to make a change of an outlook on, on this specific issue? Uh, because words are so important and they can affect so many people and, and change the narrative. We see it in the press a lot, in the media, of how people essentially look at one section of the media and say this is biased and other people agree with that because they think they're sort of hampering to people's ideas and thoughts on a specific issue, Brexit, I guess, uh, being one of them at the minute. So just from a general term, the power of the words, how do you feel about that being the slogan for this for this issue then? Uh, <coughs> sorry. Um, I don't really know. Like, it is important. <laughs> Mia? Yeah. I feel like anyone who's listened to, like, poetry can understand, like, the, the power words can have. And obviously politician in terms of preventing like genocides and stuff like that in the future like politicians play such a massive role because they know what's happening at like in other countries they're just choosing not to get involved because it's not like suitable for them at this time and like obviously we need to like write to our MPs and be like maybe we should help out here especially as people who have like maybe experienced it in our like own like histories it's sort of almost more on us to prevent that happening to other people. Sure. So just moving on from that, uh, onto the Union of Jewish Students. So we have the Jewish Society here at the university, but on, on, a, on a broader scale, we've, we've got this. So essentially they say, we are the voice of over 8,500 Jewish students spanning 60 Jewish societies uh, on campuses across the UK and Ireland. We are traditional, progressive, cultural and spiritual. We come from the left, centre and right and can be found across religious and political spectrums. Together we create and deliver powerful campaigns fighting prejudice, advancing inclusion and inspiring education and action on the issues that matter to us. So essentially, is that what the society is trying to do on, at the uni on, on a smaller scale? What, what do you make of the uh, uh, UGS then? I think because we're such like a small society, a lot more of what we do is just like a social thing and trying to like build a community rather than sort of approaching like the political side that like UJS quite often does so I think UJS is really helpful at like bigger unis 
but for us it's more like they are helpful to us as well because they do like help us with campaigns and they helped us completely with um the holocaust memorial day thing but i think like more for us it's more about just creating like a community environment and like places for people to make friends so in terms of the the, the ugs uh what do you make of the work that they do then Because I, well, I, I guess it does range from sort of different activities. You mentioned Holocaust Memorial Day, and I guess when other traditional events come around, that there'll be celebrations for that as well. So yeah, I don't really know like that much about what they do, but for like what they've emailed to us, we've got like so. There's the festival of Purim coming up, which is like the story of Esther. Um, story of me. <laughs> and they've M- like modesty in the studio today. <laughs> yeah, quite quite big. Queen Esther. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and they've, like, spoken about this whole, like, mention initiative, and mentions it's Yiddish, isn't it? Yeah. It's, like, a Yiddish word for doing, like, a good deed and, like, being a good person. So we, they've, like, suggested that we organise, like, a food drive for refugees. So I think, like, in their, like, general campaigns and, like, helping sort of give JSOC a direction, they're really good at that. Is that quite important, then, sort of food drive for refugees, making sure that people who haven't got a voice and... Uh are in a situation at the minute where they do need a lot of help uh, uh, sort of given that help by society such as yours. Yeah, I mean, the story of, like, on Purim, you're supposed to give Mishlakamanot, which is sort of giving food to, like, close friends and people who need it. So that's obviously, like, we're taking that to mean giving it to the refugees and having a food drive. Yeah, and I think, like, being from a community where, like, historically we haven't really had much of a voice... um, is quite important to like and like coming from a community where a lot of us were refugees it's important I feel like we've got well I personally feel like I've got more of like a connection and like a want to help refugees so you mentioned in terms of some of the big bigger universities uh, as well uh, Birmingham I guess being being one of them so how, how does that differ from from Sheffield then uh, how many members do you have at the society and how does that compare to other universities not trying to put you down here but <laughs> How many members have we got? Mm. Probably about 20? Yeah, I'd say we have about 10 active members. Yeah, <laughs> whereas Birmingham have probably got, like, hundreds. And but, like, yeah. At the same time, like, my friends that go to Birmingham will, like, avoid the JSOC because they're, like, it's a bit intimidating and they're all friends already and we're, like, we're definitely not an intimidating <laughs> society. Yeah. Just pop along and you see 10 people come out the room you're like, yeah, it's not, <laughs> not, not, not too bad. But what do you make of issues, I guess, because... I remember me, you said that one time you went to a party on a Friday night and the first thing you got asked was a question about the two-state situation <laughs> in Israel and Palestine. Classic. How does that compute in your head in terms of, sort of what, what your reaction is to that? Do you, would you expect that or is that something you're just going to go, yeah, well, this is, this is sort of what's happening right here, right now? Yeah, I feel like it's just part of being Jewish in a... Um, place that's not full of a lot of Jews like a lot of people won't have met that many Jews and they're like I don't know what to say so I'm just going to ask you about (laughs) Israel or like Esther had a similar situation about the Holocaust recently and it's like you know we're normal you could just be like how was your day yeah (laughs) so what was that what what was that uh, situation then um so I was like talking to this boy and I was like oh like by the way I'm Jewish and he well it wasn't by the way it was just like part of the conversation then he was like the immediate question was have you seen the boy in the striped pajamas so I was kind of that was the first question the first question and I was just kind of taken aback but like I feel like of all the insensitive things to happen that's probably like 
one of the better ones. But Do yeah, like I feel like the whole Israel question is just. I, I, when you're Jewish, people assume you know everything about it, and like you've got like this set opinion. And I don't really know that much about like the Israel-Palestine situation, so I don't want to be a spokesperson for Jewish people. So, have you been to Israel, either of you? Then, and ha- ha- I think me, you're nodding your head there. Yeah. Ha- how did you find that trip? I mean, it's, like it was definitely a really cool experience. I went for a month and I like, travelled around the country with. There was like a group of us. It's, it's like the Jewish rite of passage for a lot of 16-year-olds. Um, and it's definitely interesting. Like, I think you really would, like get to understand the culture when you're there for that long. So what do you make of the country in general, in, in, in terms of, sort of, what it, what it stands for? I, w- I won't go into the specifics of the two-state situation uh, there, but I think anyone who's heard of the programme called The News can actually sort of pick up sort of the TV remote and actually find out for themselves... Uh, on that, but how how do you feel sort of the tensions uh, were going on, and, and did you get a sense of that when you were there? Um, when yeah. oh no, you go. Mm-hmm. When I went, we stayed in a place called Sterot, which is like on the border of Israel and the Gaza Strip, and that's where they get like a lot of the rockets flying over, and like where in the house we were staying in, it had like a bomb shelter, and I think it kind of like made the situation quite surreal that like there are actually these people that are living in conditions where they like have to fear bombs and but like equally i do think it's important to like look at the wider political situation were were those people fairly relaxed about the situation because they're just so used to it yeah like we were all quite terrified because we were just all these like 16 year olds from britain where like the threat of bombs is a lot less serious but um yeah we were like i think they put us in the bomb shelter like bedroom because they were like you are more scared than we are so we're gonna put you in there what was your reaction when you first went into in, into that were you thinking well is there a reason why we're gonna go down <laughs> here at this point just just in case anything happens <laughs> so we'll, we'll sacrifice ourselves for you yeah if something does go wrong yeah something i found really weird is they were like this is our primary school it doubles up as a bomb shelter <laughs> and like where the kids play outside they just had a massive like roof over it <laughs> and stuff like that like that just is their lives yeah my cousin moved to Israel for a year and she was just so used to bombs that when there was like loads of trouble going on I think it was like 2014 or something she like all the flight prices went down so she just went over to Israel and like spent some week like two weeks on the beach and then had to go in the bomb shelter for like a couple of times but she was like oh it's fine I think like people just do get used to it in Israel Cheap prices, yeah. Bit, bit of a sacrifice there, <laughs> just to sit, see how that goes. What was the culture like in Israel then? Was it what you expected? Yeah, just like lots of Israelis shouting at each yeah, other. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of shouting. It's kind of like loud Jews, but just like in a different language yeah. and a bit louder. We had Yossi, our coach driver, and they'd always be like, it's going to take you about three hours to get here. We'd always get there in half the time. My coach driver was called Yossi. <laughs> he just... Speed, <laughs> straight down, get us everywhere on time. From being in a holiday holiday uh, to Italy over the summer, I can sort of see where you're coming from there, sort of going down some of the coastal roads. You're like, oh, great, this is 70 miles an hour down a, a narrow strip. But when you were looking at Israel from sort of an outside point of view, do you think there's a sort of a mis-stereotypation, if you like, of, of the country from people here? Uh, I think it's just very easy to see Israel as like 
one country with one political view that's like all behind Netanyahu, who's the prime minister. But like, I think when you go there, at least from my experience, you kind of realise that there are like people with different like political ideas and they're not all in support of Netanyahu and they're not all like in support of like the West Bank. So I think that was quite good. So what was the food like in Israel as well and sort of the nightlife sort of down, down the streets? I can imagine it, it would be quite loud, quite vibrant, a lot of people gathering outside. Yeah, the food. Breakfast was weird. Yeah, um, you'd have like salad for breakfast. But salad? Yeah. We had this thing, we'd always get takeaway pizzas delivered to parks, which is great. We had that yeah, as well. It's just not a thing here. You can order a pizza to Hyde Park. <laughs> I think you'd try and get yeah, a truck of Domino's coming down <laughs> through uh, Crooks Valley Park. So I think the scenes would be uh, brilliant if that if that could happen. So what was your reaction when you came back? Sort of any sort of reflections of of sort of what you found sort of most interesting about the country then, and in terms of sort of going back there in the future. I think I was just surprised that I didn't have like as much of a like spiritual connection with it than I expected to because that was the first time I'd been to Israel and I feel like a lot of people I knew were like oh yeah like it's this country that's like really like ingrained in your culture and I I did enjoy myself but I like it was just a nice hot country like I didn't really have like that much of a connection with it and I was quite surprised about that. So in terms of sort of the events you do here at the university um, you mentioned some of the Friday night uh, meals, uh, you got festival celebrations, educational talks, you had the Holocaust Memorial Day one, one for that. So what are your Friday night meals like then? So how, how, what's the timeline of, of that night then? How does that usually go? We spend about eight hours cooking <laughs> on the Thursday. We get very tired. Um, um, and then we do like the blessings before the meal. So you do like a blessing. So you have to bring in Shabbat. Um, and you do a blessing over the candles and then a blessing over the wine and a blessing over the bread. And that's kind of like as religious as it gets with us. And then it's just kind of dinner and yeah. chatting. Start with the vegetarian alternative or the chicken <laughs> soup. And then as yeah, always. So kosher meat's basically impossible to get in Sheffield. So we get ours delivered from Manchester. So it's like driven over especially <laughs> by the rabbi's wife. One of the few places in Sheffield that if you want kosher meat, you can get it. By the rabbi's wife. Yeah. There you go. She helps us out a lot. So who who, who does the uh, cooking then, usually? Us two. It's <laughs> quite an experience. <laughs> a lot of pressure? We yeah. had, we've had a, we had a few bad experiences, but normally it's okay. We had one Friday night dinner where the potatoes got like completely burnt, and I think none of the people who went to that Friday night dinner have come back since. It was like the first one of the year, so no one knew each other that well. Everyone was a bit quiet, and you could just hear, like, in the silences, just the crunch of, like, potatoes <laughs> in people's mouths. But we've been a lot better since. We've we trained have. ourselves up. We had a really great risotto last week. Yeah, we had a dinosaur-themed Friday night dinner. Oh, nice. So what's the best thing you've ever cooked, then, for the society to put you on the spot right now? At Wallamass, it the worst thing? Oh, that's an easy one. <laughs> if that's an easy one, <laughs> an easy one. <laughs> so it drops on the floor or something. The avocado <laughs> mousse was surprisingly good is what I would say. I was expecting that to be our worst, but it's actually all right. No, I think the worst was when, are we allowed to tell them all the water story? I feel like... <laughs> Should we hear the story? Yeah. Let's so, hear it then. There's like this big urn at JSOC where you boil your water in and we had left it since the last Friday night dinner and like just switched it on when we came back like two weeks later to start cooking for the next Friday night dinner and um, like made 
the soup and what else were we like the veggie main as well yeah, made, like, yeah poured loads of this hot water in and then I went to make a cup of tea and like poured the water into it and there was loads of stuff floating around and I was like Mia I think there's something wrong with the water so we like peered into the urn and it was all mouldy so we had to chuck all that water out chuck out the there soup there was a point where we were like can we serve <laughs> mouldy soup and they're like be like bush tucker troll I'm a celebrity get me out of here Jewish society <laughs> that would have been a great idea we should have thought of that <laughs> Sort of win, win the gold stars on a Friday night. So uh, you have these Friday nights. Uh, so what are the, what other festival celebrations do you have then? Purim's coming up pretty soon. It's on the 28th of Feb. Um, and it's like a tradition is you listen to the Megillah, which is the story of Purim. And you're supposed to like shout when you hear Haman's name because he's like the evil character. And you'll have to like dress up and drink and drink loads of Hamantaschen, which are like little pastries. Drink the Hamantaschen. No, you've got to drink and eat the Hamantaschen. <laughs> So what is so what is that then? What the Hamantaschen? Yeah, aren't they meant to be like Haman's ears? Yeah, because he's got like a triangular hat and pointy ears. <laughs> ears. Yeah, I don't really know why yeah. we're eating his ears, but like Haman's the evil guy. So yeah, with right. <laughs> <laughs> but like they're really tasty. They're like that they're little Danish qu- pastry. That does seem quite some sort of weird weird tradition every jewish festival has its own like food associated with it yeah like, hanukkah is all about donuts and latkes which are like fried potato i can see why that would be quite a quite a <laughs> That's hit a good one because all the oil and then shove what you eat cheesecakes it's all about dairy we just like our food yeah they're quite unique in their own way aren't they <laughs> they are so uh sort of moving on to sort of ed- educational talks we've had the talk about holocaust memorial day anything Else, you mentioned sort of the rabbi's wife driving from Manchester to Sheffield. Do you get people from sort of the local communities coming in to actually sort of give give talks about the Jewish faith? We have the chaplain. He comes from Leeds every so often to do a lunch and learn with us. So he'll like bring along some kosher sandwiches and a discussion. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of background is he from then? I think he's Israeli. Uh, married his wife recently, and they're just living their life up yeah. in Leeds helping out all the Jewish students. So do you think that you could connect a bit more with uh, him in Leeds, with other universities as well, expand sort of the connections across this area? Yeah, I think one of the like really good things about UJS is it does give you an opportunity to like almost network with the other JSOCs in the country and like do events together, but we've not yet <laughs> managed. I think that because for us... As a small society, we wouldn't want to necessarily do an event with a massive society because we'd be a bit like swallowed up by them. So we have to yeah, find. Yeah, and it's a bit of a struggle size. to get people to come to our events when it's just <laughs> us. So we don't want to turn up to Leeds and it's just me and Mia. Be a great weekend. <laughs> I don't know whether you invited the whole of the Birmingham society to come to to come to Sheffield. One hundred and ten people. Sure, we could put them up on the floor. Hillel's <laughs> a big place. So uh, what for what for you? is the best event if you had to pick one and why um what have we done i'm, I'm, se- I'm sensing uh, food may be quite a big factor <laughs> in one of these our new logo is the cutlery in the shape of the star of david because we eat so much food <laughs> it's definitely our society is about 80 percent food yeah i think the most successful event we've done would either be, like the Holocaust Memorial Day was really great because we got about forty people there, and a lot of them were weren't Jewish. And then we did a Friday night dinner last year after all like the officer elections, and we managed to get all 
like quite a few of the new officer team to come along, which was really good. Do you reckon you could do that when the new team gets elected next we'll, month as well? Yeah, we'll definitely invite them. Yeah. It's, it's a good way to like get to know your officers and stuff. And what do you make of other societies at the university as well? Do you speak to them, them much? You mentioned you're in contact with sort of the BME, LGBT uh, societies for, for the uh, Holocaust Memorial Day talks. What about other societies as well? Didn't we have a Friday night dinner with the LGBT yeah, we, plus yeah. committee? This, I think. We had an interfaith Friday yeah. dinner for interfaith week and obviously invited all of the faith societies along to that, which was really cool. That was really successful. It was hosted in the Union in the View Delhi, so it was all vegan. Yeah. Oh, so all vegan? Yeah. <laughs> it was all catered for us. It was very good for us. It was us. a great Friday night dinner. We didn't have to do any cooking. Other than the holler. Which didn't go too well. Yeah. Was that the one which went in the bin? <laughs> no, that was another time. This <laughs> holler was actually eaten. There are many a stories just, of failed holler. Just. We had to make it without eggs. It had to be vegan. So it like it just didn't really go that didn't well. Didn't rise no. much. So what, what's a vegan egg then? We, like we just didn't put egg in it. Oh, right. So didn't put egg in it at no. all. I thought you get a specific type of egg there, which is sort of got V written on the front of it. <laughs> You could get it. Uh, yeah, egg. pretty much impossible. That sort of sort of genetically modified. <laughs> I don't know whether the university could actually afford that. But I mean, looking for the future, then. So, what what kind of events? I mean, you mentioned Pyrim. Uh, what other kind of events? Sort of maybe a year down the line, are you looking to sort of long term projects at the at the society then? And I guess I guess it depends on sort of the out the outtake that you get coming in, potentially at the start of next year as well. But. What about your own futures as well at the society? Um, very noisy. Well, I'm graduating quite soon, so I'm coming to the end of my time. So I'll have to do a farewell party. Yeah. I'd quite like to have um, a lot of people who graduated last year. It'd be cool to have a like weekend when they all came back, but I don't know if it's actually practical. <laughs> so what do you two study at the university then? I'm doing a master's in global history. I studied biology. It's quite different. Yeah. Sort of brought together through our Judaism. <laughs> yeah, and we're in different years. We definitely wouldn't have met if it wasn't for the society. Yeah. The other day when we were at the rabbi's house, like one of the people came up to us and they were like, so do you, did you two know each other before uni? And we were just like, no. And they were like, you seem like you've known each other for ages. It's just what JSOC does. Like, our grandmas are friends, <laughs> but we don't actually know each other. So how, how, you mentioned that. How, was that how, how did you find that out when... Was it just literally meeting each other for the first time and then you found out that was the case? What, that our grandmas were yeah. friends? No, so my auntie had said to me before Mia started, she was like, oh, like, our family friend's daughter's starting and then told me who her grandma was and her grandma was at my bat mitzvah, which is how I realised. Oh, wow. Yeah. I feel like that always happens with Jaysuk, though. You'll always, like, find out. About the new Jews that are arriving. <laughs> like, your aunt or, like, your aunt's cousin will be like, this person started in Sheffield. <laughs> I mean, I was not expecting to find that you sort of went to Davenant, sort of the same school that I went to. And Esther, you know the our area quite well. Yeah, I'm from, like, Essex as well. Yeah, which, which so bit? Redbridge. So we've got Redbridge, Woodford and Blouse in one. <laughs> it's not not a bad area, I can tell you <laughs> that for people who are... No, I'm impressed that we're all in one room. Yeah, uh, I know pretty two or three others who... I know somebody who works at Forge, actually, who used to live in Laos and he, he's now living in Wales for a bit. But, uh, 
Yeah, there aren't many from from that area, so yeah. it, it, it's nice to sort of yeah, yeah, get all of us <laughs> together sort of on on one radio show. On one radio show. So, what about your plans for the future then? Anyway, specifically, sort of thinking about moving back down to Essex or staying <laughs> up here. I don't think I want to live in London or Essex. It breaks my heart when Mia <laughs> says that. I think I'm going to move back to London. But out of Essex, further into London. I really like Sheffield as a city, and like, I don't know. Some I used I fully hated London in second year. I was like, I'm so over it. And then <laughs> I like went back for summer, and I was like, No, it is pretty great. To be fair, so with stuff happening. So, what do you think is a big difference between Redbridge and Sheffield? Then, apart from one, the weather; two, the hills; <laughs> three, the bus routes; four. I mean, I I could go on, but <laughs> yeah, the hills are actually. A, a major downside, I'd say. No, I think they're quite good. Keep me fit. Mm, you can't really get... To be fair, the weather's cold, but you walk up a hill and you're hot again. Yeah. Balances. They do kind of save you. I don't know. If you've been to Buckersteel, then you find that if you're trying to get from the hill from Buckersteel to Lowson, <laughs> that, that, that rivals Conduit up oh, here. I, dis- I, mean, I don't think anything beats Conduit. Conduit is literally like a vertical climb. It's like the hill I live on is its own climate, and when it snows... It would have melted everywhere else except for the like, <laughs> road. I don't know. I mean, some, some of the sledging we've had down at Hillyfields, down in, down in Lowson, was pretty good. But anyway, uh, for, just finishing off now, um, if you had... I always do this sort of with every society. If you had a message to anyone who wants to join the Jewish society next year, what would that message be? Please come along. <laughs> We're not as weird as we make out. I don't think we've made out that we're weird. Oh, just <laughs> just, well, like, just let something out of the box there. Oh, now they all know that we're weird. Oh, Should they sort of put CVs forward, sort of cooking skills tick? <laughs> I mean, if Ability you like to cooking, cook. Yeah. We will provide you all the foods you could ever want if you can cook. One yeah. of our old committee members dislocated his, like, broke his collarbone or something, and like Gabe, and then couldn't cook. Oh, and yeah. I was like, why are you even on committee, Gabe, if you can't cook? <laughs> it's what you're here for. <laughs> There are no other roles. It's just cooking. Yeah, just win Master Chef, you're automatically on there. Okay, <laughs> Mia, Esther, thanks a lot for that. Thank you very much for Cheers. having us. Cheers. Okay, that's it for today's show. Uh, coming up in the next few weeks, uh, we have uh, a interview with Sutko. Uh, I was interviewing the Hound of Baskerville's cast a few days ago, and that's coming out over the next week. And after that, uh, a fair few more shows this month. And then moving on to March, April and May, we're getting into some of the some of the societies associated with uh, varsity, associated with uh, elections. We're going to get a fair few more faith societies on. We're looking to get a lot of the cultural societies on as well. And I think the ball game society will be coming on in the next few weeks as well. But for now, Mia, Esther, thanks a lot again.